Well, good morning, Identity Church. I hope you all have had a great week. I know I say that every single week. I, I went back and was listening to some. I say that exact same thing every time. i got to come up with a better tagline. I need to be like, y'all are blessed and highly favor the Lord or something like that. And it it'd be something that I do all the time. So I don't know. You, you guys tell me if you've got one that you want me to throw out there. But over the last couple, over the last week, in fact, last week, we started this Jesus culture. And we're, the thing the Lord's putting on my heart is that we need to have a culture of what Jesus wanted for us in the church, but also a culture of what he wants for us in the world. In fact, last week we talked about prayer. We talked about praying for each other. We talked about praying for, uh, you know, praying for ourselves, but having prayer in our, in our community, having prayer in our church. You know, I will say at the very end, does anybody need prayer for anything? You know, what's funny is that no one will come down, okay? And then later on, I'll get a call or somebody will come get me and, hey, can you pray for me now? That's fine. But one of the things that I want us to do is I want us to pray together in the service because there is a corporate anointing. It says that if any two or three shall agree on earth, that it shall be done for them by the Father which is in heaven. That means that we together can pray corporately and it's anointed. It's got, it's got heaven all over it. The Father has anointed it. And see, this is what I want everybody to understand is that a culture says, I'm not afraid to do something because it's a part of what I do, right? How many people, if, if you lived in the Middle East or you lived you know, in India or whatever, it wouldn't be that big of a deal to see people walking around with like some sort of bed sheet looking thing all over them and a big old, you know, turbine, a turbine, 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 a turbine. They've got a spinny thing on top of their head. I don't know. Now that would be a culture shock right there, but, but a, a, a turbine. Well, no one thinks about it if you're over in the Middle East. It's, it's normal. But, you know, have you ever been like someplace, you've been in an airport or whatever, and all of a sudden it's like, hey, there's a person with a turban on their hand or a turbine, whatever it is. <laughs> you know, you'll see these things and you'll be like, that's, that's a shock to my system. Well, it's because it's a cultural difference. It's because the things that, that they do, it's not weird to them. But it may be weird to y'all in order for people to come forward and us pray for people. You may not have been in services like that. You may not have seen it. You may have seen it online and the only way that you think that that, you know, that people do that is because I'm trying to get $50. Can I get $50? Can y'all bring up $50? If, if so, I'll pray over you and we'll have a, you know, hands laying on service. No. See, the thing that I think we need to understand is the body of Christ is the fact that we see people do different things for different reasons and different purposes. We're not just doing something to do it. You can create a culture of just doing something to do it. In fact, there's a plenty of those. There's plenty of cults out there that do just repetition over and over again, pray the same prayer over and over again. You never get out of that. In fact, that's one of the reasons why I don't like prayer books. People will be like, well, I like a prayer book because I can go and I can pray whatever's in the prayer book for today. Well, that's fine if you don't know how to pray. But I want to challenge you to start praying to the Lord. I mean, you need to get beyond your, yourself. I'm going to say it again. Some of y'all need to get beyond you. Because you are in the way. And God wants you out of the way so he can have a relationship with you. I'm going to ask you a question. If, we, if God came down in the flesh, which he did, it was Jesus, right? But if Jesus himself came down and he was sitting, standing here, a good number of y'all wouldn't know who he is. I'm just going to be honest with you. You've heard about Jesus, but see, you could have Jesus start speaking and he could start doing things around here and all of a sudden... If you knew who Jesus was, you go, that's Jesus. You know, Peter, James, and John, and all of them were out fishing, and Jesus comes up, and, and 
he'd already been crucified. He went put his blood on the mercy seat. He comes back down and they didn't know who he was. And he said, hey, guys, throw your nets over there. Do you know the moment that he threw his net that he said, throw your nets on the other side? Peter jumped off the boat and started swimming because he says, that's my Lord. He knew him. He saw how he acted. He, he was a part of who he was for three and a half years. This man had given his life into Jesus' ministry. He knew the Lord. See, it didn't look like the Lord. See, this is the thing. We sometimes are so fleshly that we want everything to be in the flesh, but we need to understand that God does not have time, matter, or space. Okay? If you want to know who God is, you're not going to know Him through this. God does not do this. In fact, if God is outside of time, matter, and space, then that means that He's holy and totally something different than what we see in our flesh. You may be going, well, that does that make sense? Well, it makes sense when I put it like that. But see, we need to understand that we can go, just like the song was saying, and we were talking about this right before uh, I came up, it was we can go deeper still with the Lord. But going deeper still with the Lord is not, well, I need to spend more time sitting in a chair or standing up and praying. That's not it. Going deeper still is being with Him. Taking the time with Him. And I know I'm so far away from my message at this point, I'm trying to figure out how to get back, okay? But we're going to get there. But what I want you to understand is that when prayer is something that we as a culture can't do together, then you won't do it out there with all the other people. You won't do it. I, I, I'm, I'm going to double down on it. You will not do it. You, somebody will say, I'm sick. You will not lay hands on them. If somebody says, I need to get saved, you will not pray with them. If you don't do it in here. You know why? Because you don't have a culture built on the inside of you. You're too afraid to, well, what if I look bad? What if I say the wrong thing? I was listening to a lady pray the other day and she said, Father God, I think she said, Father God, Father God, Father God, Father God, Father God. You know why? Because I think she was so nervous because she was not used to praying in front of people. If I asked all y'all to pray in front of us, there'd be a whole bunch of uh, Father God, Father God, Father God, Father God. You would crutch yourself into oblivion. You know why? Because you, you don't do it in front of people all the time. Now, I'm not saying everybody's that way. I'm just saying that a culture, you need to understand that if this starts stepping on your toes, that means you need to understand that you haven't culturalized yourself. You know, one of the things that helped me years ago was I just started going and praying for people. You know, I've built such a culture at my own work that when people get sick and they send emails or they send a, a message out, I, in front of the whole department, management team, everybody, goes all the way up to our GM. I put in there, I'm praying for you that you are health, and I put 1 Peter 2.24 in there. By Christ Jesus' stripes, we were healed. So if we were healed, that means that we are health. And I can't physically lay hands on them, but there are times where they come to me and go, there was a guy that came to me and he said, I'm, I'm having a reaction with my, my medicine. And I said, can I just pray for you? And there's three people around and I just said, Father, in the name of Jesus, I just thank you, dear Lord, that the chemicals in his body are complete right now and whole and that they are perfect in Jesus' name. And I said, you have a good day. And he said, you know what? By the time I got home, I felt pretty much better. He said, by that night, I felt way better. You know why? Because we agreed. It was a culture thing. He wasn't afraid. I wasn't afraid because you know what? I do it all the time. I do it in front of everybody. I don't really care who the heck you are. You can be a Satanist. You can be an atheist. You can be an agnostic. I don't care what you think. Do you know what? The moment I started realizing that your opinion doesn't matter. 
Like, I, I'm serious. I may teach something and y'all go, I don't agree with that. Well, I don't care if it's in the word. If I pull the word up and say, this is what's in the word. Then if you don't get it in line with the word, then I don't care. The word matters. Your opinion means nothing to me. There's only two people, no, three people in my life that I would sit there and go, hey, you know what? You give me your opinion. I could probably expand that out. It's my family. But I will tell you that your opinion of me, even if you're in my family, if it doesn't line up with the word, I'm going to tell you you're wrong. Sorry. Oh, it's, it is good. It's good because the word is good. And our opinion stinks. It's awful. Your opinion stinks. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you this because you need to change your opinion to the word. If you change your opinion to the word, then guess what happens? You become free because the truth sets you free. Amen. I think I'm going to get on to my message. I'm tired of meddling for a minute. I'll get back on the meddling in a minute. Y'all pull your toes back up. You get them... Get all the blood off of them. We can get some band-aids in the back. But this is the thing I want you to understand is that there may be people in here that are saying, I've never had a culture like this, Dusty. I don't know what it looks like. And that's what we're talking about. I want you to understand what the culture of prayer with people and understanding how we interact with each other in the body of Christ. That's what we need to do. And we also need to understand how to worship and praise with each other. Because guess what? If you're praising and worshiping God, then you're not worried about the people that are around you. You're not worried about what's happening. You may be sitting there crying. You may be sitting there dancing. Whatever it is. But what I don't want you to do is I don't want you to be afraid to do it. Just because you don't know and because you haven't been there and you don't have a culture of it. We're trying to establish a culture where people say, this is good. I don't care if Dusty's looking out here and I say, who, who, who's doing it or who's not. It doesn't matter. Close your eyes. You know, one of the things about it is, is that it doesn't matter what we do out, up here. You know, I may be the best guitar player that you could ever, you know, play a guitar. And that would be a lie. But the thing I want you to understand is, is that we're not up here to entertain we're here to be the leaders. We're supposed to lead. And when we lead and get people on board, then you guys are the entertainment for God. Amen. We're going to get started. We're going to start with worship here. Okay, worship is of the heart. It's an expression from within. And I'm going to tell you what, this little... Cool snap, whatever, and we've got the heat going one way or another. It's really bothering me. I'm going to tell you, whew, up here is like way hotter than it is down. This is nice right here. This right here is, woo, it's warm. So, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> I'm, typically, I'm typically in the rising area all the time. Plus, I got some. I got me some, you know, padding too. <laughs> Insulation. So John chapter 4, verses 21 through 24. And so Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. And Jesus said unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, nor in Jerusalem, he is the Father. Talking about worship. Verse 22, it says, You worship what you do not know, we know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. Now I want you to understand, salvation is the word for wholeness. It is the word for health. It is the word for prosperity. Okay? So salvation is not, I got saved. That's what saved is. That's the saving of your soul. But what I want you to understand is salvation is making you whole in something. So if you have salvation, that means that now I'm not lacking. Okay, does everybody understand that? Because what he's trying to tell her here is that she has a part of the worship. She doesn't have all of the worship. 
And the Jews right now had gotten the full blueprint of what God wanted them for worship. They had the blueprint. In fact, we're about to see the blueprint here in just a minute. And it says here in verse 23, But the hour is coming and now is that when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth, for the Father is seeking such to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Now I want you to understand something. God is spirit. We just talked about it. He has no time, He has no space, and He has no matter. No time, no space, no matter. And see, God himself is a spirit, which means that he can't be worshipped in the flesh. Does that make sense? That means that we can do stuff. We can, we can you know, we can put up our, you know, because uh, that's what they used to do. They used to use idols. They would be fleshly idols where they would put up and they would try to, they would try to, you know, uh, worship an idol so that they got a, you know, oh, I get to see the idol. It reminds me of something. But see, they didn't worship God. They just worshiped a piece of wood or they worshiped a stone or they worshiped something that had nothing to do with God himself. In fact, I want you to understand this, that God himself was so, so upset at idols that he completely separated the children of Israel away from idols. He didn't want them to have an idol of anything. You couldn't have anything in your house that resembled an idol because he wanted them to know that you worshipped him for who he was and not for something that you tried to create. In fact, Philippians chapter 3, verse 3 says, For we are the circumcision. This is the circumcision in the spirit because he's talking to the Philippian people. In Philippi, the people had not been circumcised. This was a Jewish thing. So in Philippi, he's talking to them and he's telling them, If you've accepted Jesus, then you are the circumcision. You have been cut out and been set up and set apart unto God through Jesus Christ. And it says, For we are the circumcision in the Spirit who worships God in the Spirit, rejoice in Christ, and have no confidence in the flesh. See, when we go to, when we go to take the Spirit of God and the things that are the truth of God's Word, and we meditate on those things, we, we have an inward revelation of who God is. So that's one of the reasons why during the praise and worship, I wanted you to close your eyes and I wanted you to, to, to see God and who He is. Because I don't want you to see out here because God's not going to show up in the middle of the floor. He's not going to do anything out here. Now, He may have a move of the Spirit. There may be stuff where people are affected. But what I want you to understand is that God is a Spirit and we must worship Him in spirit and truth. And when we worship Him, we don't worship Him in the flesh. We're supposed to have no confidence in what we can do in the flesh for God. That's what worship is. Worship is the inward revelation of God's goodness. How many people has actually gotten an inward revelation of God's goodness? Amen. Do you know that you need to constantly get a revelation? It's not something you get one time and it's like, yeah, I got it. It's sitting over here. I put it over here on the... It, it, this is it. No, it's constant. That's why we're supposed to constantly praise and worship Him. Now, I just talked to you a little bit about worship, but I want you to understand worship is what sends us into praise. Now, we say praise and worship, by the way. And we'll go, hey, praise and worship is, you know, it, it's that little thing that we did just a few minutes ago, right? But we label it that way. Praise and worship. And typically, we'll do a a fast song and then we'll do maybe a medium tempo song and then we'll do a slow song. And everybody goes, oh, well, I really like the praise today. 
But, I, you know, maybe I'm not into the worship. I don't like the slow songs. But do you understand that that is not the case? We can have a song that's like 180. I'm talking about just, you know, almost like, you know, uh, death metal. You know, you could have something like that. And you could still worship to it. But guess what? If you're not taking in who God is and the revelation of who He is and where you're going to go with Him, then you're not worshiping Him. You're just maybe dancing around if that's what you wanted to do. And maybe that could be something that you're doing in the flesh. But see, I want you to understand that your confidence in the flesh has to do with if I don't do this, then God's upset at me. Not true. See, what we need to understand is that worship has nothing to do with was it a fast song? Was it a slow song? Did I stand? Did I do something? Did I do this? That has nothing to do with worship. Worship itself is an inward reflection and revelation of His goodness, God's goodness, of Jesus' goodness, of the goodness of the Holy Spirit that has been given to you. Now we get into the praise, which is more of an outward expression. You know, praise is not something that we sacrifice because in Hebrews chapter 13 here, they're dealing with the idea of how the Jews praised and worshipped. Because I'm going to show you a picture here of the temple and how they praised and worshipped. And see, this is one of the things that I want you to understand is that they had a ritual that they did because God set it up. Because he wasn't going to leave it by chance that they were going to do something. He put it into place. He made it happen for a specific purpose so that Israel would not deviate. Have you ever done something to keep yourself from deviating? How many people have been on a diet, right? You're on a diet and it's like, okay, I'm not going to put the cake on in the middle of the you know, in the middle of the credenza right there in the kitchen. Why? Vicky's doing it though. So Vicky's not on a diet, okay? But I'm talking about people who actually are on the diet, okay? They want to actually lose weight. I know Fat Home Alabama is the song that you sing all the time, but, you know, I will tell you this. I stay away from things so that I don't deviate from the thing that I'm trying to do. In fact, we call it planning. (laughs) How many people have, you know, stickers or notes or something like that on your refrigerator, uh, on your desk at work, whatever. And it tells you what to do every single time. I'm pretty sure Darlene, I mean, y'all had, you know, she was like VP over like, TJ Maxx so I bet she had stickers everywhere it was like do this at this time and do that at that time and do this and that you know if you do this then you won't miss the time especially with my electronic leash you know I always sitting right there I know where it's at at all times by the way but I'm sitting there and it tells me when I'm supposed to do something so that I don't deviate well that's what the law was The law was nothing more than a non-deviation tool for Israel so that they would eventually have the Messiah, Jesus, so that they didn't worship false idols. See, this is what we need to understand about. So in Hebrews 13, 8, it says, and and I'm going to break this into two parts. You're going to see it, but we're going to be in Hebrews pretty much right here. Hebrews 13, 8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Amen. Do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines. Don't have some various and strange doctrines. You know, various doctrines means that I have doctrines that are opposite of the word. And various means that I may have more than one. I know lots of people that have doctrines multiple of them in fact they will actually be so schizophrenic about their doctrines that they will change just based upon the circumstance and i'm going you don't truly know what the word says all you do is you're going from one doctrinal teaching oh well i was 
I was in the Methodist church and they taught us this. And then I was in the Presbyterian church years later. And then I was in the Baptist church. And then I was in the Pentecostal church, you know, where we were handling snakes. And then I was over here and I was doing, what, y'all didn't do that? Anyway, and then I was over here and we got to learn this. And you start going, but what does the word say? And they go, I don't know what the word says. I just know what the pastor from each one of those churches said. See, that's the way most people live their Christian life is they live based upon what somebody said. We call it the folk teaching. I had a buddy of mine, uh, Rob Carr, love the guy. He works with me. And we were talking about some stuff and he goes, yeah, I got that folk teaching. That's the stuff my folks told me. I always tell this one about Paul. I actually thought men had less ribs than women for the longest time because, you know, Adam had his rib taken and he was given to Eve. And Paul loved to tell me those things. And then I would go into a science class and I would feel like an idiot, right? <laughs> so you're sitting there going, wait a minute. What are the things that you're being taught and that you hold on to? In fact, we were actually having a a little bit of a fun the other day. Have you ever watched Waterboy? And it was like, you know, the the professor sitting there going, well, you know, why why does the alligator, you know, is so mean? And he goes, well, my mama says because he has all them teeth and no toothbrush to brush them. <laughs> well, you know, this is the thing. You know, the guy goes, your mama's wrong. It's the Madubla Alangada. Do you know that when we, when we have an understanding of something that's not true, and then we go and we try to rectify that in truth, sometimes that's tough. Sometimes that's, that's got a problem for us because we didn't get the true doctrine up front. You're having to change something in your heart. In fact, in Romans 10, it says that with the heart, man believes unto salvation. That's a definition for what the heart is. With the heart, a man believes. So your belief system is in your heart. And if you have to go change your heart, then that means you've got to uproot what's in your heart. It's the, it's the stuff that was planted in your ground. And you got to get that stuff out of there and you got to replant a seed. And you know what? It, the fruit of it just doesn't come like that. You plant the seed and you're like, Lord, I don't know about this. Your word says this, but I've never seen that. Well, guess what's got to happen? You've got to let it grow. And when it grows, it, it's, the, it's time. You've got to plant, you've got to water, you've got to let it grow, and then you've got to harvest it. We have seasons that we go through. And you know what? If you get your heart established, then you have like a fruit tree. And it produces and it produces and it produces. And it's producing good fruit over and over and over again. See, a lot of times we have bad fruit. And we keep eating the bad fruit. And then the Word says it and we go, well, we don't really believe that because I'm, this is what I've been told. See, this is what we need to understand is that the Jews had been told all of their life that there was only one way to worship God. And it was because God ordained for the Jews alone to worship a particular way. And it says, in verse 9, it says, Do not be carried about with very strange doctrine, for it is good that your heart is established by grace. Grace is just the word for a gift. It's, it's that we were given something that we did not earn. How many people get presents in here? Anybody get presents? Do you ever feel like you got to earn your presents, Al? Do you feel like you got to earn your presents? Al's the only one in here that has to earn his presents. But this is the thing I want you to understand is that your present is supposed to be given to you not because you did anything. See, a lot of us, we live in America. You know, I'll have my kids come up or I'll have somebody go, hey, I'm going to pay for your meal. And I'm like, oh, I don't, don't pay for my meal. I can afford that. And the first thing you do is that you feel guilty because I just ate a meal off of somebody else. Come on now, church. See, a gift is something that we give 
irregardless if we earned it or not. And it says here, For it is good that the heart, our belief system, is established by the gift, not with foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. So this is what I want you to understand is that God changed it up. You were, you were having to take food, which is like, you know, cows and lambs and, and doves and all this other stuff that was made for food and it was being sacrificed unto God. That was what he did. You know why he did it? It's because there was no Holy Spirit living on the inside of each and every one of you before Jesus. The Jews didn't have them. So it was a very methodical way. You sinned, there had to be blood put over the mercy seat. It was just the way it was. You had to be cleansed. You touched something that was unholy, you had to be cleansed. And see, this is what God is trying to show us through Hebrews is that there was nothing behind that that actually gave them a spiritual thing, but it physically made them think about their sin. How many people physically think about your sins all the time? Man, I got more of them than I can actually think about. So that's why I lean on Jesus. There's nothing I can do about it. I can't do anything about my sin. I can't pay or atone for my sin is what I mean. See, I can pay or atone for my sin, then it wouldn't be a gift. And see, that's what I want you to understand is that there was nothing in this world that I could have given God that would have paid or atoned for sin. And by the way, they didn't either. In fact, verse 10, it says, We have an altar which is from those who served in the tabernacle having no right to eat. They didn't even have a right to eat. The Levitical priests did not even match what being sinless look like they didn't they didn't have a right to it but God gave it to them by grace anyway in fact we deserved nothing and he gave us everything verse 11 says for the body of those animals the food whose blood is brought into the sanctuary by the high priest for sin are burned outside the camp See, what I want you to understand is that God was setting up an idealism that Jesus completely and totally fulfilled. In fact, we're going to see this right now. How many people have seen Solomon's temple? Anybody? This is a pictogram of what Solomon's temple was. I could geek out really, and we could go on for a long, long time, okay? But I'm going to try to make this as short as possible because I want to get to the point, right? But if you ever study Solomon's temple and how the temple was designed, it was designed based upon what God saw in our heart. It was designed based upon what God wanted from us. See, God actually knew that we had a body and the temple was designed like that. It was the outer court. It was the thing that, that touched the outside. In fact, there was a gate to this. In fact, you can see it, the steps that are down here in the bottom. Do you know that in order for things to get in and out of our body, we have, we have things like what we see, hear, taste, smell, and feel. That's our five senses. That's how we get things into our body. But our soul has another gate. And see, that other gate is the things that we allow to be taught to us. In fact, those particular things we have to actually put them on the altar and see whether or not they're good or bad. Why is it right there at the beginning of the gate? Does everybody see that? See, we need to understand that the altar itself was designed to be right there. When something came in, it got to be burned and understood if that was a good thing or a bad thing. Do you know that that this molten sea right here was a big water vat, basically. And all these little lavers and bases that you see right here, they were all filled with water that was blessed out of the molten sea. It's kind of a weird name, molten sea, but it was just a big vat full of water. 
but they would wash themselves just like we need to wash ourselves of the things that we see and we hear. You know, there's a lot of things that we should not allow into our heart. In fact, I love this right here. You see all the chambers right here, uh, right here on the top side where the, where it says spirit and you see chambers, there's 30 of them. You know that that's almost the same type of thing that we have where our heart, our heart has all these compartments in it. We have heart compartments for all of our belief systems. What do you believe about your family? What do you believe about your job? What do you believe about the world as a whole? Do you feel safe? Do you not feel safe? Do you feel like that you're going to make it? Do you feel like you're going to be healthy? Do you feel like you're going to go to the next level in your life? See, our heart has to filter through all of the stuff that comes into our eyes and our ears. And then we get into the soul part of it. And see, there's a reason why the Holy of Holies and the Holy Place was, was separated by a veil. The veil itself was designed and it was created because man had a spirit. It was dead because Adam's transgression. But all of the things that were being fed from the, the showbread and all the other stuff, then it had, it, it had connectivity by a veil to God. But it was covered. And see, what we need to understand is in Mark chapter 15, verse 38, the veil was rent from top to bottom. It means that our spirit and God's spirit, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, where we become a new creature in Christ Jesus. Behold, old things had passed away and all things have become new. We went from having a dead spirit to being connected and being fully operational with God's spirit. There was no veil between our spirit man and between God's spirit man. Every single thing now that our spirit has, has God's spirit in it. We are intertwined with him. You wouldn't know the difference between our spirit and his spirit if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And see, this is what I want you to understand is that Jesus himself had created this bond so that our spirit's always going to be good. So the temple was a representation of how we were supposed to interact with God. And see, the problem is, is that these outer courts, that was where they gave thanks. That's where they danced before the Lord. That's where they lifted their hands and the high priest would say, Shout unto God with a voice of triumph, Israel. And they would go, Rah! Because they knew that their sins had been forgiven. See, whenever, whenever they would go through the feast days, they would come to the end of it and they would shout. That's why he screamed, it is finished, when Jesus was on the cross. Psalms 100, verse 4 through 5, it says, Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name for the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever unto all the generations. All right, we're going to continue with Hebrews chapter 13. But do you see that, that how this is so much a, um, how this is so much how we are connected to God nowadays? Was that too boring? Did I just bore everybody out of their mind? I'm just, I'm, I'm I'm getting everybody going. We're going to get some chili here in a minute. It's going to be good. I promise. I'm going to, I'm going to get, I, I'll get through this. I, I'll get through this for y'all. All right. All right. We're going to continue with Hebrews 13 right here. Verses 12 through 6. Because I want you to understand that praise is this outward expression. It's the way that we, when we know the goodness of God and that we've been redeemed, that we should go, Hallelujah. God is good and his mercy endures forever. Verse 12 says, Therefore Jesus also, that he might sanctify the people with his blood, suffered outside the gate. So 
we actually, I've got a, a, a picture here, and you got the Temple Mount on the right, and the first wall gate to go into the temple, you see where this, the, the little uh, Golgotha, and it's the air is pointing to the right. The Holy Church of the Sepulcher is where Jesus was crucified, that area. And see, what we have to understand is this is just outside the gate. It's just outside of where the, the Holy of Holies and, and the outer gate and everything was located. Jesus didn't even get to put his blood on the Ark of the Covenant like all the other animals because he was going to put his blood on the mercy seat that sits before God in heaven. But his body was, was completely and totally battered, external, because he took away where the Spirit of God was going to be. From that moment on, the Spirit of God no longer lived inside the temple. It lived in each and every one of us. Amen. It says, therefore, let us go forth into him outside the camp. Let's get away from all this stuff that has to do with the temple. Let's get away with this idea that I have to have a particular thing that I must do. That I have to, I have to do something in order to, to worship the Lord specifically. And it says right here in verse 14, For here we have no continuing city, but we seek the one to come. Therefore, by him let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise. This word in the, in the Greek means be thank, it's thankfulness offering. It means that when I offer a sacrifice of praise, that I am giving an offering of thanks unto God for what he has done in my life. What he's done in my family's life. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to his name. But do not forget to do good and to share. For with such sacrifice, God is well pleased. Let me ask you a question. When I'm sitting here and I go, Anybody got a testimony? Anybody got a thing that they want to say? And you go, well, you know, God was pretty good to me this week. But I'm not going to say it. I would be standing up in front of somebody. I'd have to say it in front of somebody. You know, it says right here that we are supposed to share. You know why? Because that was good for you and you need to praise God for it. But it also needs to be heard because faith comes by what? Hearing. Do you know that when I hear something, it gives me hope. And when I hear it and I hear it and I hear it, then I get faith. All of a sudden, it just like boils up on the inside of me. Do you know that this is one of the things that I think that we often in the church don't do and we should be doing is that we need to be doing more testimonies. In fact, I'm going to start doing that. If anybody has a testimony, let me know. I'll let you testify. See, this is what I want you to understand. If you are in the midst of, I don't know if I could, that means you haven't built a culture yet. It means that you haven't created a culture in this church. You haven't created a culture in yourself. And I want to change that. Because I want you to share your testimonies with people who don't believe. I want you to share your testimonies of things that you may go, well, that's silly. You know what? There may be somebody that they woke up in the morning and they were having the worst day of their life. And they were going to kill themselves. And they were going to go to Starbucks and they were going to get their last drink and their last breakfast and they were going to find a place to pull off on the side of the road and they were going to blow their brains out. And just because... The Lord told me to testify something to them. They didn't do it. You know, about seven, eight years ago, I used to go to Starbucks all the time. I've been redeemed. <laughs> Hallelujah. But I used to go to Starbucks every single morning and I would pick up my drink. And the Lord told me, I'm standing there, I'm fixing my drink. And this young girl comes in and she's grabbing some stuff. And she goes running out the front door. And I go, and the Lord says, go tell her that, that she's my daughter and that I love her. 
And I went, huh? I mean, you're just sitting there. I just hear that. So I just gathered up all my stuff as fast as I could. And I went outside and I was like, Lord, I think she's gone. And, he, and it was like, nope, I saw her. She's across the parking lot. So I go walking across the parking lot and I go knock on her door. And she looks and she goes, because, ah! you know, looking at me, people be like, ah! I get it. Okay. But they were like, I, I knock on the window and she rolls it down this much. And I said, hey, the Lord told me to tell you that you are his daughter and that he is pleased with you. And she just burst out crying. And I said, so I take it that means something to you. And she said, yes. She said, I told the Lord, I said, this was my last time that I was going to live on this earth. And she reaches over and she shows me the gun that she was going to go blow her brains out with. Do you know that our testimony and the things that God puts in our heart is made not just for us, is for other people. And there are times where you need to speak into people's lives and the still small voice of the Holy Spirit is telling you to do something. But if you've not built a culture, then you won't do it. And then people will die. And you will see it on the news. And you won't even know because, you know, God's so good that He's not going to rub it in your face. I would. That's why I'm not God. See, I want you to understand something. God wants you. And He wants to have relationship with you. And He wants to tell you the secret things. He wants to put you in the secret places. He wants you to go do the secret of the secret of the Holy of Holies. He wants you to be on the inside track. He wants you to go buy the milk for the mom that couldn't afford it. He wants you to go and pay for the bill that the people couldn't afford. He wants you to know about things. He wants you to go pray for the cancer patient. God wants you to do it. He loves you and He wants you to be a part of Him. He wants you to be an extension of what He's wanting to do. God Himself, the, the Creator, the Master of the universe... See, this is the reason why God did what He did is because He didn't want to do things apart from you. He wanted to do it with you. I remember, and I didn't understand this until I got kids of my own, but my dad, on Saturdays, we would go out and we would work on a car, we would go do stuff, and I didn't want to do it. And I remember him telling me when I was a teenager, and I'm sorry, Dad, because the older I get, the more I understand. I wanted to do it. I could do it for you, but I wanted to do it with you. This is what he told me. See, God is just like a good, good father. He wants to do it with you. He doesn't just want to do it for you because then you learn nothing. See, that's why we need to understand that God Himself, He has such a plan for your life. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to give you a couple scriptures here. These are what I call cultural scriptures here. Psalms 134.2, it says, Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and bless the Lord. Hallelujah. Lamentations 3.14, it says, Lift up your, hand, lift up your heart and with our hands unto the Lord in heaven. This is a decree. This is the thing that he wants you to do. Psalm seven seventeen. it says, I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness and I will sing praises to the name of the Lord, the most high. You know what? It doesn't even have to be good. You just got to do it. You got to sing. Psalms 33, one through four says, Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous God's saying, if you do this, you're righteous. For praise from the upright is beautiful. Praise from the Lord with the harp. Guess what? Guitar players, bass players, piano players, drums. It doesn't matter. If you got whatever, whatever it is that God has anointed you to do, you do it. 
your singing voice, everything. It says, make melody with him with an instrument of the ten string. Sing to him in a new song. Play skillfully with a shout of joy. For the word of the Lord is right and all his work is done in truth. Colossians 3, 16, it says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing to put in mind to make aware one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your heart to the Lord. Heather, can I get you to come up here? If you'll turn down the light, just I just want to sing. Everybody just close your eyes. You can stay seated. I'm fine. But I want everybody to close your eyes. And that last song that we did, I just want us to lift our hands, close our eyes. There's nothing to see. If you can put that those words up, Mom. Two. Mm-hmm. 
mouthpiece you you have the ability and the authority to go do the things that he's called you to do you have it you're not looking for it you're not trying to get it you have been given it and now Jesus says go out lay hands on the sick and they will recover it means go pray for people go meet people's needs go show them share sharing the hope of the glory of God and you can do this every single day you just turn on some praise and worship music and just be deeper still be deeper still know what he wants you to do and you can go do it build a culture in your life build a culture here I promise you if we do this there will be people that will be set free there will be people that will go out and do amazing things you'll be coming and giving testimonies of all the goodness that God has told you to do you're going to go and you're going to find people this week that are going to tell you that they feel bad or they have a problem or they've got a family member that's in the hospital or they've got something that's going on and you have the ability to go lay hands on them. You have the ability to go agree with them. Believe and agree. Go and agree with them. Go deeper still. Stretch yourself in ways you've never stretched before. When you come in here, lift your hands, sing out. Let the Lord use you. If you need prayer, let us pray for you. If you need time to to maybe go somewhere else because you don't like uh, or you have an issue with what it is, then let us know. We'll still bring people together and pray with you in the way that it needs to be prayed. But I don't want you to miss out and lose out on the goodness of God and what He has for your life. Because He's calling you deeper still. Does anybody need prayer for anything before I close this out? Sonia go ahead baby amen so what's her name Christine we're going to also pray for Israel too and I want you to get into an agreement um, the Lawsons right okay so we're going to pray for the Lawsons. They're on vacation and they got caught up in the middle of this and they're trying to get them to Kiev and they've not been able to get there. And it's real scary right now for them. So we're going to, that's uh, Lindsay's boss, right? Okay. Jeff and Elise Lawson. So everybody bow your heads and agree with me. Father, we come to you in Christ Jesus' name. I thank you that uh, for Sonia's niece, I thank you, dear Lord, that um, with all this stuff that's going on that you are protecting her, that you're bringing her to a place to where um, she's going to have protection even though there may be crazy stuff in the midst of the world, Father. And I pray, dear Lord, that she has got a, a peace, Father, that passeth all understanding right now. And Father, we just pray right now for for Jess, Jeff and, um, and Elise, um, Lawson, I just thank you, Father, that you are giving uh, them free path to the place they need to go. Father, I pray that right now that there's a, a ceasefire and that the people that need to get out of the areas that are uh, that are being bombed, I thank you, Father, that they are going right now, that they have a um, they have the ability to get there and get out of the country. And Father, we just thank you, dear Lord, for all that you've done. We, we thank you for all that you are doing. And we just pray for protection over the, the innocents in Israel, Father. 
Give Israel the fortitude to do what is needed so that they can take care of this problem. And Father, we just thank you and we praise you. I pray over each and every person that's here and that's listening. Father, I thank you, dear Lord, that go about their day. Bless them and help them to, to not only know the things that they're supposed to do, but also know the things that they're supposed to pray for others. That you lead people across their path that they can minister the goodness of God to, that they can lay hands on, that they can, that they can actually speak into their life the word of God. Father, I just pray over each and every person. In Jesus' name, they are blessed, they are set free, and they know who they are in Christ Jesus. Father, I pray over this food and fellowship that we're about to have. I pray that it is blessed and sanctified. In Jesus' name we pray. If there's no other prayers, anybody need prayer for anything else? Anybody? I just dismiss you. Have a great rest of your week, and you are blessed.